Good morning, New Life. I'm excited to be here, as uh, the young people affectionately say. I think so far, uh, big church has been lit. Uh, My my kids are probably horrified that I just said that, but that's okay. Hey, I'm excited about the word that God has dropped into my heart, and I've just been thinking about this over the last several weeks, and and I believe it's a word that's going to encourage us, it's going to challenge us, and I hope it provokes us. I hope it provokes us to want more of God, to go after God, and when everything else is going on in your life and chaos is going on, you remember his goodness and his faithfulness towards you and me. And so I was tonight, today, my, uh, the title of my message is faithfulness. Stay on the ice. Stay on the ice. I, I was thinking about how you define faithfulness. And I thought of the word endurance. And last week I was talking with Michael Brizendine and a group of us were and They were talking about running. I didn't have much to say. I listened, all right? I'm not a runner, uh, as you can tell. And um, and I was listening to Michael, and Michael was on a slower week that week, and he'd already ran 64 miles. And I thought about that, and I thought, oh, my Lord, I'd be laid up somewhere. And uh, he said, yeah, it's a light week for me. Uh, I was like, oh, really? And as he was talking, the group was talking, and and I said, how do you do that? How do you run? You run three and a half days and you're at 64 miles. Do the math. And, and I'm thinking, how do you do that? And he goes, well, it's a mindset. And then somebody else in the other, and I said, well, I don't have that mindset. <laughs> I don't have it. I wish I did, but I don't. And he goes, it's a mindset. And all these great distance runners, they have a mindset. And when they go into a train and go into these long distance runs, they think they have, they already know what the finish line is going to look like down the road. And so the group was talking and someone said, they just started out running and said, I just put one foot in front of the other and I just keep running. Well, I want to say that to us today in the issue of faithfulness. Sometimes you just got to put one foot in front of the other and keep running this race. Because I don't know about you, I know this to be true about me, that sometimes life can literally smack you in the stomach or in the face. And sometimes your faithfulness can be shaken. The text that I want to talk to you about today is Matthew 24, 10 and 13. And uh, we'll get into that. And, and so I was thinking about that whole thing about endurance. And I was thinking off of that too about defining it is it's crashing through the quitting points. How many times have you ever wanted to quit something? You, you wanted to quit. I don't know about you, but there's been times that I've wanted to quit. You know, right? I don't like rice cakes. I want to quit. You know, like, you know, they're not fun. All right. I like cake and cookies. They're, they're great. All right. Um, there's times in life that we always want to quit, but we've got to learn how to crash through the quitting points. Uh, I love Eugene Peterson and how he defines it. He wrote, And he's the guy that wrote the message, as you well know. He said, a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long obedience. Well, back to this scripture, Matthew 24, 10 and 13. And this is the context in which Jesus is speaking about society as we approach the end times. Now, I'm not here to get in about post and pre and all of that. Here's the deal. Every day that you wake up and you have breath, we're one day closer to when Jesus is coming back. Right? 
And so this is the context in which we're reading Matthew 24. And he says, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The scripture is very clear that followers of Christ in the end times, many, many will grow cold. So my prayer today for you and for myself is that those of us that are in this room, those that are a part of New Life Church, that we will not grow cold in our faith. That we will run this race. That when we're done and this place is no more, that the Lord will look at us and say, good and faithful servant. But I know that life has a way of testing our faithfulness. I don't know about you, but I found this to be true for me is no one ever sends an email before your life is about to radically change. I don't get a phone call. There's no breaking news that flashes on the screen before your life becomes, gets railroaded. I think about my life and the issue of faithfulness. And I, I've told the story way back about my, about my father and he left. And that was, a, that was a shaking point for me in my life. And I just say this about that, about trusting the Lord. I just remember saying, devil, what you want me to run from God, I'm only going to run to God because of this issue. I think about the, the kids, the, the two miscarriages Holly had. And how they shook me, you know, like, God, you, you promised. And, and, I, and I think about disappointment in ministry. There's been disappointment. I'll never forget, I just celebrated 15 years of being on staff here at the church. And I sometimes go wild to that moment. But I was thinking way back about before I was in ministry and I was done with Bible college. And, and I would apply for all these jobs, Right? And I'd always be the runner-up. Who likes to be the Nobody likes to be the runner-up, right? And they'd always just say to me, they'd say, you need more experience. I'm like, well, if you don't give me any, I'll never get it, right? You know, like, you know. And, but I knew that I had a call of God on my life. And some of you might be out here today going, I know there's a call of God on my life, and I'm not seeing what's going to happen. I'm telling you today, hold on. Your miracle is going to happen today. God is going to speak to you today. And I'll never forget being in a really, really frustrated part of my life. I probably was, it was the, like the first year and a half of marriage. And I probably was, listen, I'm easy to get along with Holly, you know, but I know I was probably a pill for Holly. Just in, There was moments. There was moments that I was so frustrated at God for you. There's words that have been spoken there's, I know that I could tell you on this church property where God called me to the ministry, I could take you to the spot on the sidewalk where the cut through is. It was almost like an audible voice that boomed inside of me that God called me to the ministry. And I, but I was super frustrated. Lord, what did you do? Take me all the way out of Bible college. Doing all this and I'm going to be runner up. Well, I was laying on my couch on a, on a Sunday and I got a phone call from my uncle Neil, Neil Cantor, who just left. 
And uh, I was like, hello? And he goes, hey, Denny, this is your uncle. I said, oh, I know who it is. <laughs> yeah. He said, the Lord woke me up, and I have, yes, I have a word for you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And he said, the word is this. He said, I know you're frustrated. But the Lord wanted me to ask you, what metal are you going to be? What? What do you mean, what metal am I going to be? He said, Denny, you're in the fire. He said, are you going to be a metal that's going to be easily broken or brittle? Are you going to stay in the fire of what God has for your life and so that you can come out to be strong and to be tough? Well, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> Who wants to hear that when you're going through stuff? Right? And my uncle has a way. I'm not doing it justice, but if you ever had my uncle come and share something with you, he has a way of just like, like, like hitting you, like, can I just act like the, the phone went dead or something? And, and he just began to tell me, he said, now listen, Denny, he said, God's preparing you for something great. You've got to stay in the fire. His calling is yes and amen over your life. And there's not a church board, there's not a pastor, there's not anything that can thwart the plan of God for your life but you. I didn't understand what that meant until years later. I was frustrated when I heard that. I hung up. I think I said to Holly, I hate when he calls sometimes. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, don't tell him I said that. I know he's in Florida. Don't let him know that I said that. All right. And uh, fast forward about five or six years in the ministry. Because from that point, it took me about two years to get into the ministry. And I know the ministry is outside of the walls, but I'm talking about the, you know, working inside the church. That's what God called me to do. And I'll never forget there were some things going on at, at church. And, and I was super, super, again, frustrated. And to the point that there's been times, and I think Pastor Tim would probably tell you this as well. I know Pastor Carroll would probably nod his head on this, that there's times that you want to go run screaming from the building. Right? Like, I can't take it anymore. Because here's the deal. This is probably a good message that somebody needs to work on, but sheep bite, right? And there were some sheep that were biting. They might be dumb and docile, but there's some sheep that can get a hold. They got some fangs, I'm telling you. And um, there were some sheep that were biting, and it was just all I could do. I was like, but I know I'm called. And then all of a sudden, I'm walking out of the church, and I'm so frustrated. I'm like, that's it. I'm writing my letter. I'm done. All of a sudden, that word that my uncle sent to me dropped into my spirit. What medal are you going to be, Denny? I prepared you this. I prepared this for you for this day. And let me just tell you that that word has stuck with me over the years when things have been hard in ministry. Because you might not realize this, but ministry is hard. It's hard. So pray for Pastor Tim. Pray for your pastors. It's hard. And I remember that moment of just being so desperate and so frustrated going, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know. Lord, I just, let me go dig a ditch. Let me just, I just don't even, have you ever had a moment where you just don't even want to come to church? I had that moment and I'm on staff. I'm glad Pastor Tugan's not here this morning. <laughs> he already knows. Because I was talking to him about it. 
And that's one of the things I love about him, that he listened. And he didn't shame on you. Get with the program. No, he was there to listen and encourage me. So if you think that me sharing honestly makes me a person that does not have faith, no. I just want to say that maybe you serve a God that is way too fragile and small than the one I serve. Because God already knew my heart. He knew where I was at. And one of the things that I've tried to learn in my life is that I just get real real with God at moments. Listen, I will tell you that it's all right sometimes to get mad at God. You just can't stay there. The Bible is full of people that got angry with God but did not stay there. It's when you stay there that it becomes a problem, that bitterness begins to, to seep in and, and the hurt and anger and all these things that begin to just mushroom out of your life. I still believe in miracles. I still believe God has a plan and a purpose for my life that's greater than what I could see. And I believe that for you all as well. You might not see it now, but I'm telling you, the trains are coming. But this is what I know. A lot of times in the church world, we act like everything is just great. We put our church face on and we come to Sunday church while all along, all hell is breaking loose in your life. And you're questioning this whole issue of, God, I love you, but I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's just easier just to walk away and just live my own life and try to find some peace. But that is such a lie from the enemy. Because if you walk away from him, you're not getting peace. You're walking into more torment. This is what I've seen in my life and many of my friends' lives. You can be the most devout Christian follower in this world and have some of the most painful things happen in your life. This is what I've had to do. I've had to rely on many scriptures and this scripture throughout my life. And it's Romans 8.18 that says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I need you today to hear my words. Keep believing. Keep holding on. Stay faithful to him. I know he's faithful to you. Staying faithful has a dramatic effect in our lives. What areas does it dramatically impact? It impacts your marriage. It impacts your family. It impacts your occupation, your ministry, your fulfillment in life, your walk with Christ. In short, faithfulness impacts every area of your life. Every area. I want to give you just a few scriptures. There's many, many scriptures that are out there about God's faithfulness towards us. The first is this, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that we are not consumed because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great, O God, is your faithfulness. 1 John 1, 9 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful to just And just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Thank you, Lord. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 
Psalms 91.4, like a bird, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are your shield and your buckler. Ooh, that's good news. That might make me up here get a little jig going right there. First Thessalonians 5.24 says, faithful is he, not me, faithful is he, not your neighbor, faithful is not pastor, faithful is he who is calling you. And he will also do it. Man, and there's scripture after scripture that talk about God's faithfulness towards us. Isn't that awesome that we have a loving God that pursues us passionately? He's faithful. He's the same today, tomorrow, forever. He is, he, he does not change. So when all everything else is going on in your life, he remains the same. He is true. He is faithful. He is in the boat of your life. Now, there is some scriptures that, were, that God requires of us to, about faithfulness on his, to, towards him. I want to read those. It's Luke 16, 10. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. I use that with my kids a lot. If you're faithful in the little, if you take out the garbage, all right? All right? Come on. Train them up and, the, hey, they'll know. I won't even, that's, that's not even my notes. I'm just going to push that over there. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are not trustworthy in the little things, you won't be trustworthy with greater responsibilities. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will abound with blessing, but he who hurries to be rich will not go unpunished. Proverbs 3 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 1 Corinthians 4 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man should be found talented? No. Holy? No. Faithful. Faithful. You stayed in the game. You ran the race. Matthew 25, 21. And on that day, his Lord said to him, well done, a good, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over the few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joys of your Lord. God has total faithfulness towards us because here's the deal. One of the things I know that God is always faithful even when I'm not. But he requires some faithfulness towards him. I want it to be said of my life and I want it to be said of this church that, man, we have people that are faithful. That show up even when life is thrown curveballs and hits you upside the head with that Louisville Slugger bat downtown. It's like, I'm going to still follow you, Lord. I'm still going to follow you from my own life experiences. Let me share with you four times that this all important concept of faithfulness will be tested in most of your lives. The first one is this. And I think for most of us, it's this first one that hits probably home. Faithfulness in the dull, boring, unmotivated seasons of life. It's human nature 
we don't do well with repetition when it comes to this issue. We like the lights, camera, action. We like cookies and cake and not Brussels sprouts and green beans, right? We like when the lights are on and everything, it's awesome and there's this and there's this movement and you, the, the, your feelings and this and, and you're like, and the Lord's like, no, but I still need you, I need you to eat, you need to eat your, your Brussels sprouts. Gross, but eat your Brussels sprouts. But our human nature is, we get a little bored with repetition. Doing the same thing over and over and over again. How do I know that? Because you go to a job every day. And how many people have I talked to is like, I just want something different. Goodness sakes. We get bored with the same thing, doing it over and over again. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's a wild thought I want to submit to you. It would be easy for Jesus to get bored with being Jesus. Because of the sameness that his character necessitates. Can you imagine Jesus? I'm the same today. I was the same yesterday. And I'll be the same tomorrow. Here we go again, Gabriel. Answer their prayer. Can you imagine? I mean, Jesus, I mean, I, I think about that because the Bible says that he, he went through everything that we went through. So there had to be something where this issue came of square in his face of. Oh, man, faithful. Okay, Lord. I imagine there was a moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where that kind of smacked him in the face. Lord, take this cup. Take this cup. Not my will, but your will. And isn't that true for all of our lives sometimes when it comes to walking this race and living this life? Lord, you're calling me to do this, but my will is to go this way. Man, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. One of the greatest things you can ever learn is to be faithful in the boring, mundane, unexcited times of life. And that isn't just even with your spiritual life. That might be in your marriage. That might be at your job. That might be with relationships that you have. But here's the thing. If you're going to get good at anything, you're going to have to do it enough to get bored. You have to do it enough to get bored at it. A Navy SEAL was asked, why do you train in such extreme conditions? He replied, under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. That's why we train so hard. Guys, you are in training. So when life hits you, you don't have to work yourself up. You, 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 you've already, you're already there. Apathy has cost more people their edge than probably anything else. I'm bored. I'm unmotivated. I'm apathetic. I get up and I do the same thing every day because we are creatures of habit. I mean, I won't mention my one kid's name that does this, but that kid is the last person that gets up out of bed for school 
every morning and every morning, I'm like, you've got to come on. I mean, I'll, I'll literally almost say this every morning. I've got five minutes and four seconds. All right, you know, like, he's got, oh, they've got it down to a science. And um, I'm like, but you've got, to, we, you've got to get to school on time. You don't know if you're going to hit traffic. But here's the deal. We are creatures of habit. We get up and we, we have, we, some of us, we, we, first thing we do when we get up in the morning, we open up our cell phone, we read our emails, we have a bowl of porridge, no, not porridge, oatmeal, whatever you have, right? You get some burnt toast, you get a cup of coffee, uh, maybe two cups, bold, whatever it is for you. We are creatures of habit, but that is something we have to, listen, I get it that we have to, we are creatures of habit, but I will tell you that get so good at serving the Lord, get so good at reading scripture, get so good at spending time in, uh, in prayer, get so good that it becomes in somewhat a boring thing because you're just living life for God, right? Bored in praying and reading my Bible. I've heard students say, and I've actually talked to a few adults that have told me, I didn't feel anything when I read my Bible. I didn't didn't feel anything. Listen, don't let feelings dictate your Bible reading, your prayer. Listen, there's days I wake up and I don't feel anything. But it's a discipline that you have to have in your life. You're doing training. If if you need feelings to get you motivated to pray or read your word, then I could submit to you that maybe you are just a little immature in your faith walk that he needs to prop you up with feelings to keep you praying and keep you reading. It's time to get on some solid food. I'm saying desire. Ask the Lord to help you have a desire to spend time with him. It isn't a lack that he doesn't want to. It's a lot that he's waiting on us to say, I'm here, come, come. Here's the thing. A diamond is just a hunk of coal that's stuck to its job and made good under pressure. Man, we're all a piece of coal. Stick to our job. Stay faithful to this, to to this walk. You know, there's research out that says that if you have been doing the same job or in the same field, that if you do it for over 10 years, you're, you're considered a leader in that field. I'm glad I have some doctors that are leaders in their field. I'm glad I have a pastor that's a leader in his field. They're sticking to it. If all the enemy has to do is to get you not to totally walk away from God, but take you off your game to make you be motivated, then you have, to, you have become such an easy target. Don't be an easy target for the enemy. The second thing is this, faithfulness in the hard, crushing times. I just want to remind you that as a Christ follower following Jesus, it's not so much a picnic as it is warfare sometimes. It's not unicorns and rainbows. There is spiritual warfare that goes on. I'm not saying it's all hard because 
We know scripture tells us in John 10, Jesus speaking, and he says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. But there are times in life when it's very hard. I've talked to many a parent that have kids that are just not living for the Lord and they're just a struggle to deal with at home. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I think sometimes we try so hard to help people know the goodness of God, but we don't accurately let them know that if you're a Christ follower, there will be an invisible target on your spiritual chest. The enemy does not like you. He does not like you. Don't be, have this fog in front of your face that he just, oh, you know, if I, if I don't, if I don't do anything for Jesus, then I, then, hey, then he'll leave me alone. No, that's a lie. He'll still come after you. He's not a respecter of person. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary in doing what is right. For at the right time, we will reap a full harvest if we do not give up and quit. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm, I just want to give up. I just want to go live my life. Don't quit. True champions know that pain is always seasonal. I used to do leg days with Lance, and he'd say, you're not going to be able to walk for two days, but it's just temporary. It was more like three to four days for me, but it was temporary. I'm not negating pain. Pain's real. But it will eventually pass in the way that you're feeling and having, having that pain right then and there. But pain is often, not always, but often the passageway to promotion. Some of the toughest areas, some of the toughest things that have happened in my life, God has used to be an encouragement for someone else. To say, hey, if I walk through it and I made it through, you can make it through. If I went through this and God rescued me, he'll rescue you. One of the biggest things we need to learn is to assign meaning to our pain. Part of the purpose is to live a life of faithfulness. It is not that we live a life that no matter what he is worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our lives. Regardless of whatever you've been through, I've been through some tough stuff in my life. He's worthy of our life. No matter what, no matter what, remember his character. Remember his character. I know some of you are living that season right now where the prayers don't get answered the way you want them answered or you see them getting answered. But let me just remind you, God has more than one way to answer prayer. There's yes. There's no. I kind of like yes. I think we all like yes. There's no. There's wait a while. And I will if you will. There's different ways that God answers us. There might be more, but those are the four that I thought of off the top of my head. But most of the time, we just went to yes. I want to remind you, you need to know his character. That even in the no's or the waits, or if you 
I will if you will. I want to tell you, and even the yeses, remember his character. That he is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. Yes, there are times I want to yell at God and point at him and say, why did you let this happen? Have I ever felt that? Yes. Oh, yes, I have. There's been times I've been in my car, my minivan rolling, and I've been so upset with God, and I've yelled in the car, why are you letting this happen? I don't understand who you are and what you're trying to speak and do. And Where are you, God? But the Lord always reminds me of his character and his faithfulness over and over again. And let me just say, if, you've, if you haven't ever been ticked in or, or frustrated with the living God, you probably haven't prayed enough prayers. Because I'm going to tell you, there's times that I talk to God regularly and I get frustrated. But I love that he's so kind back towards me even in my frustration. But see, the reality is I know his character, even though I can't understand why this happened. I have studied his character for years and he has shown himself faithful year after year after year after year after year after year year in my family's life, after year in my friend's life, after year in people that I know that he's been faithful. So when everything's going on in my life and I can't, there's this cloud around me. All of a sudden, I get glimpses. I get pictures of his faithfulness in my life over and over again. And I said, Lord, if, you're, if you took care of me then, you'll take care of me now. If you were good to me then, you'll be good to me now because that is who you are. That's why it's so important. And I've said it before. I'm so thankful for Pastor Carol because he instilled in me the love of God's word. He he alluded to it from the kid's song. If you know who you are in Christ, man, a lot of your issues will go away. In the sense of when you're like, God, do you love me? Yes, he loves you because he's the same. And I appreciate the fact that he has instilled that in me. Love of his word and know who you are in Christ. I have a little bet going on with this. Okay, wrong word, bet. I have a proposal to the uh, students. I told them, I said, if you can memorize 1 John, that little old book, 1 John, who is all about knowing who you are in Christ, I'll take him out to Ruth Chris or somewhere to get a steak dinner. I'm 15 years going. I still haven't had one. But I'm waiting for one to memorize that book because it's about knowing who you are in Christ. Here's the deal. Mark, well, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep praying. Because there will be a door that will open for you. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 3 says, So my son, be strong in the grace that Jesus Christ gives. Everything that you have heard me preach in public, you should in turn entrust to reliable men who will be able to pass it on to others. Put up with your share of hardship. We don't hear that preached a lot, but in the church universal, we don't hear that hardship part. 
as a loyal soldier to Christ's army. Listen, we're going to have trouble. But you need to know who the one who's in the boat with you. This is one of Pastor Tim's favorite quote, and I, I love this quote, and I'm going to read part of it. It's by Teddy Roosevelt, and it, and, it, and it goes like this. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. Stay in the arena. Stay in this walk. The third one is this. Faithfulness and having faith. He who has ever truly doubted has never truly believed. Listen to the honest father. Pastor Tim alluded to this last week. The honest father who came to Jesus for the healing of his very ill son, Mark 9, 24. And straightway the father, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Scripture then records that Jesus responded to that honest and immediately healed that little boy. Uh, That man had doubt. But then he saw Jesus. He said, help me believe. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're struggling with doubts. I ask you to call on Jesus and say, help me believe. Because here's the deal. You can't keep doubt from coming. Or let me say it this way. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Some of you are going to get some birds out today. John 6, 67 and 68. Then Jesus said unto the 12 disciples, Will you also go away and leave me? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, where else do we have to go? That's me. I believe that's you. Where else am I going to go, Jesus? What else am I going to do? I love you. Where else? I don't have a plan B. You're plan A. The fourth one is this. Faithfulness when my commitments become costly. This is what I've found, and I appreciate this, of the men that are in my life, and in particular, Pastor Carol and Joe Vincent. I was the crazy kid that was 18 years old, went into Joe Vincent's Sunday school class when there were some people a little bit older than me. Okay, they were a little bit, like, a lot older than me, all right? And I sat in his class. I appreciate those men, because there are a lot of great starters in the kingdom, but not a lot of great finishers. I appreciate Phil Yeoman. I appreciate my uncle. I appreciate those men that have been in my life that are showing me how to be great, a great finisher. So I say to all you that are older than I and even my age, remember there's people watching you. I watch these men. Be a great finisher. Remember that endurance is often often your greatest revenge on hell. Your faithfulness. Because somebody's watching. 
these kids are watching. That's what I was so, I loved these, these kids, spark kids that were up here today. And don't think that while they were up here, they were singing. They were watching what you were doing. How you were interacting. How you were worshiping the Lord. They watch you. And there was a young man back in the day that he was in Kid Spark under Miss Lori at that time. And he would sneak out of Kid Spark on Wednesday nights. And he would go and lean up against the door of the youth room so he could watch and listen to the students. Somebody's always watching and listening. Don't ever forget your coworkers, your friends, the lady at Kroger. Be a great start. Don't be just a great starter, be a great finisher. Faithfulness when commitments become costly. I, I tell this story. I got two stories, one script, two scriptures, and then I, and we're done. I remember working in the early '90s at UPS, and when I was working at UPS, I was trying to share the Lord with people. And when I was there. I worked on this, this belt where there was like 70 to 80 men that was there. And, I, you know, I just, who I am, just began to tell them about what Jesus had done in my life. That's really all you do when you talk to people about Jesus is telling them what he, he's done in you. And one time I was talking to this guy named Steve, and, and Steve always said GD a lot. You probably have some people you know, hopefully not in here, that Throw that word around a lot and take the Lord's name in vain. Well, in just my conversation with Steve, I, I just told him, I said, man, I don't think you want to do that. He said, why? I said, because God cares about that. You know, we're held accountable for our words. Yeah, let that sink in. <laughs> All right. Well, this kind of ticked Steve off. That how dare I confront him over his words. So he began to tell all the other people that worked there. And I think I was really the only Christian in the group of 80 that were there. Now, there's people that call themselves Christian. But Lord, they, you know, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christian. But they don't act like they're Christian at all. So it started facilitating through my, my group of people that I worked with every day. Or five days a week. And they would walk up to me, and they say, GD, 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 and they would just do it and mock me. I'd just smile. And one day, it got so bad that they shut down the belt. Now, it's kind of like working at Ford. You don't shut down the belt, but they shut down the belt. And the, the manager of, that was over my area called all 80 men together, put me in the middle of the circle, and said, Denny would like us to stop using the word GD around him. So we're going to GD this, and we're going to GD that. And, he, and then they all started saying it to me. I said, okay. You want to play. All right. So I went back here to church. And back here at church, there was a table where we used to have tracks. And there was a stack of tracks about that big that was sitting back on the back. And on the track, it said God's last name is not dang it, but it didn't say dang it. All right. 
And I stuck about 40 of those in my pocket every day for work. So every time they come up and they would say something to me, I'd just reach in my pocket and hand them a track. They'd say it again to me. I'd reach in my pocket and hand them a track and say, God loves you. Over and over, this went on for about two weeks until they got sick of it. Me handing them a track about getting right with God. Well, fast forward about three weeks later. I'm working on this belt and I'm, I'm walking with this guy because we took all the over 70 pound packages and we would go to different. And I'm, I'm talking to Steve. And Steve said, I can't understand you. I said, what? He goes, why do you sit here and you take it from us? I said, man, I don't know either. No, I, mean, I, I said, because God loves you. He said, I was sitting at the pub right over off Fern Valley. And I was looking down into my beer and I saw your face. Hey, now we're on to something. He said, and I couldn't even drink my beer. I was arrested at the, at the, at the bar looking at your face going, I want what he's got. And I said, I can give you what I've got in today's your day. And right there, I led him to the Lord. Move forward again. The manager of our area, he had gout because he was an alcoholic. And so he, I'm working and he radios and he goes, Denny, I need to see you. I thought, oh man, here we go. And so I went and I sat down in his car and he said, we're going for a drive. And I thought, well, you can't fire me. I'm union. So what's this about? And he goes, I respect you. And I need you to pray for me. I'm a mess. Tears are rolling down. And this guy was big, man. Just like, like a Donlin big. Like, you know. And he was just, and he's crying. He goes, I've got gout. I can't stop drinking because I've got pain. And I said, Jesus can heal your pain. Right there in that card, I led him to the Lord. One of the biggest guys that made fun of me over and over again, he, I was walking into work and he runs up to me. He goes, Denny, I need you to pray for me. He goes, I keep seeing you at night. I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about, man? He goes, I even dreamt about you. And I'm like, whoa, stop. He goes, no, I keep on seeing you and I keep on seeing what you have and I just found out my mom's got cancer and she's only got about five weeks to live they're saying it's going to be a short time it's all in her brain and she's withering away can you pray for me I didn't lead him to the Lord but I pointed him to Jesus guys we're going to have times where it's going to cost us something stay in the fight be faithful there's lives that are at stake. Revelations 2.10 says, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days you will have tribulation, but be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. 
Matthew 10, 22 says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. My last story. True story. Historical story. There was 40 Roman soldiers, all were Christians, who were members of the famed 12th Legion of Roman's Imperial Army. It was midwinter, 320 AD. The emperor sent out an edict that all soldiers were to offer sacrifices to him and to pagan gods. It was 320 AD. The true story tells that the Roman emperor sent out an edict that all of Rome and it certainly included its soldiers, were to worship certain pagan gods and himself. But there were 40 soldiers who were a part of this elite 12th legion. All 40 of these soldiers were Christ followers. History tells us that the soldiers sent word back to the emperor saying, we'll fight for you, we'll go to war for you, we'll battle and die for you, but we cannot worship none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It made the emperor furious. He sent word back to them, trying to change their minds. They again reinforced the only Christ would be worshipped in their lives was Christ Jesus. So finally, he sent back another word and he said to them, I will give you 24 hours to make your decision. After that time, if you choose to not do as I have mandated, I will send another company of soldiers. They will escort you to the center of of town. At that point, it was a cold Roman midwinter. The center part of town was like a park area where there was a large iced over lake. The emperor said, if you will not do as I have ordered, you will be commanded to totally remove your clothes and humiliate you. I will humiliate you in front of all the city. We'll laugh as you walk barefoot without clothing in the middle of winter to the center of that ice. And you will not be allowed off that ice unless you choose to renounce your faith in Jesus. Then by an ironic sort of twist, he gave them each candles. He said, I will tell you, I will tell my men that they are to give you 40 candles. And then before you go out onto the ice, they are to light your candles. Perhaps your God will keep you alive by the light and the warmth of your candle. And so the day came. The emperor sent another legion. The 40 Christian soldiers were stripped and escorted, hum- humiliated to the center of, of the iced in area. Hundreds of people were standing around watching the calamity of, the bru- of this brutal society. And then history tells us that the guys clustered together and made an impromptu hymn that an old country song was made of called 40 Brave Soldiers for Jesus. How long did it take for the first guy to drop? I don't know. History just tells us that one by one, As the cold winds and the brutal time came, one would drop to the ice. Never to get up again. Probably begging for death to come quickly because of the agony of the situation. And then another and another and another. It was dark now. And of course, the temperatures became even more grueling. The wind and even more harassing now. There was just a few. 
probably six or seven as they got very, it got very dark. Everybody else was on the ground, never to stand again, and praying to die are already gone. Soldiers that were guarding them were by the time drunk, and they kept taunting them, shouting, Come off the ice! Come off the ice! There was a big blazing fire there. There were warm blankets. That's kind of like the enemy, isn't it? Just come on off the ice. Get off the ice. Renounce Christ. Get off the ice. Faithfulness? It's pretty costly. And so it was that men began to drop and then others and then others until finally there was only one soldier left on the ice. One. I don't know what snapped inside of him. We've all had moments that we did something that we thought we'd never do. Whatever happened, he couldn't take it anymore. Finally, he went running and slipping off the ice and into the darkness, he shouted, I renounce Jesus Christ. The soldiers went ballistic. They threw blankets around him. They began to celebrate him. They threw such a wild party that they didn't even know what was going on on the other side of the frozen lake. Because all that afternoon and night, their leader, their commander, not the emperor himself, but the leader of the, their legion that had been sent to guard the 40 had been watching those men. Just like people are watching us through, though we do not know it, somehow in his heart of hearts, something that no amount of preaching could have done came alive in him. He watched people be faithful when it cost them a great deal. Some of you, your, your family, friends, they give you a horrific time about loving Jesus. They mock you. Some of them have maybe even disown you because of your faith in Christ. But I'm just saying to you, whatever your ice is, it will be easy to come off the ice. Stay on the ice. See, the story tells us that, and history tells us that that one leader of that legion began to endure him, undress himself, and no one would have ever known, but he was halfway on, out on the ice, coming from the other direction, walking to the pile of the 39 soldiers. When he shouted into the darkness, I choose Jesus Christ. They recognized his voice. When they heard it, they knew. The next morning when the sun came up, it wasn't 39 dead soldiers. It was 40 who died on that ice. Roman soldiers replied, you can have our armor, our, our warfare, and even our bodies, but our hearts, worship belongs to only Jesus Christ. My challenge for us today is don't come off the spiritual ice. Be faithful in the word in the in a world of people who are hurting, who are fickle. God has a lot of fair weather friends. Don't be another one.
don't come off the spiritual life. Would you stand? So this is my charge. Pray when you don't feel like praying. Read the word of God when you don't feel like it. Be a leader when you're bored, out of your mind, and nobody appreciates it. Keep believing when everything inside of you has no human reason to believe. Keep praying the private prices of your faith, even if your friends, family aren't. Church, don't come off the ice. Stay on the ice and taste and see that the Lord is good.